Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you for the realization and the confidence that we have in you and uh, in your eternal power and glory. Father, thank you that we have believed on our Lord Jesus Christ, that you removed the blindness, that we might grasp onto these most critical and transforming truths, that we might be saved, that we might have a hope that's far more than this life can provide, and that we might go forth gloriously carrying the fruit uh, that you've provided, which is the precious word of truth, that we might be lights in the darkness and that others might come to know uh, our precious Savior as we have. Father, I thank you for each one in our group here. And though there are many burdens, uh, some express, Father, I just thank you so much for uh, our opportunity to share this morning and to bring the precious word to them and to all. I just pray, Father, that you would give me the right words for that time together. Father, I thank you for our opportunities this time of the year, but mostly, Father, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about, Father, how you've worked down through the centuries, down through the millennia, uh, in people's lives to transform them and to transform their communities of faith and to transform even their nations and then to give certain nations the dominance and then to set them aside in due time and to bring others along. And Father, I think of our own nation and how it has turned so thoroughly against you in our lifetime and I, I just pray, Father, that you would work to change that, of course. But we know that even prophecy uh, still remains to be fulfilled, and it will be. Your word will be uh, fulfilled, the prophecies, every one, exactly as written. So, Father, I pray for our nation and our people. I pray that you would use these dark times to draw many to yourself in saving faith and also to fortify the saints and they may be able to endure the trials and the, the brokenness and the hardships and everything that has come the way of your people. And many times it's due to persecution. We know that, Father. And Father, I praise you for so many things that have been shared here this morning. Although there are some significant challenges and I pray that in this time uh, of remembrance in the families, uh, thinking ahead to the nature of the struggles here in our own land and what that could lead to. Father, we're so concerned about that. But thank you, Father, for lifting the burdens of our hearts and uh, blessing us greatly. May we reach out to others with a hopeful uh, smile and uh, with understanding and know how to speak with them, whether they're in the family or, or just friends or just those that we meet here or our others in our group meet day by day. Fathers, I just pray that we would have words of kindness, words of grace and words of comfort for those that are so in need, some who have no hope, Father. 
but they have never considered the blessedness of our precious Savior and the hope that he alone can give. So, Father, please open our hearts now as we look into your word. May it be a great blessing to us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we are privileged again to continue. Uh, Last time, if you remember from, from our last meeting, the subject was wise men still seek him. And what I did last time was to begin again. We've done it before in uh, in outline form, but to begin again to consider the witness in the stars. <clears throat> That's actually the title of a very well-known book. I should say not well-known. Let's say a very important book. It's not well-known, though it's been printed many times, many editions. But I think you'd have a lot of trouble finding it in a bookstore today and maybe even some difficulty finding it online. But if you search, you can find it. And it is the book called The Witness in the Stars by Ethelbert Bullinger. And much of what I'm sharing with you today is derived from that book. I nearly never rely so much on other uh, sources other than the Bible. But in this case, we need to, because much of what I'm going to share today is not taken specifically from Scripture, though Scripture points to it, hints at it, implies it, its existence, uh, as a real evidence that uh, the Lord God has provided. The witness in the stars is such a thing. It's far more important to us than human history can indicate, because human history, as you well know, cannot reveal very much, does not reveal very much of what the Lord wants to communicate, since who is in charge of this world, right? And therefore, who is in charge of human history as it's written and as we find it in history books today? In fact, those books are increasingly missing from the shelves, and I think we know why. There's a great reprogramming of the minds of the people in the world that's been going on for some time now in order to eradicate historical evidences that are important, that tell a story that, that needs to be known and remembered, whether that's in our nation here, in our history as a nation, or whether it's uh, in the world uh, and the history there of the world. But the enemy of our souls and spirits the enemy of God, the one who has instigated the long war against God from the beginning, he's the one who is managing the historical account as best he can. And what we saw last time, though, when we were gathered here, is we saw what the story, at least the story of a part of the meaning of Christmas is all about. We looked at the incarnation and birth of our Lord uh, and uh, saw how that was revealed to mankind in two different ways, two different ways. Of course, as we very well know, through the written word, it has been revealed, right? And we read of that from Genesis on to Revelation. 
But also, there's a heavenly revelation that the Lord God gave from the beginning that was written in the skies and communicated then through human witnesses as well from person to person. There's 2,500 years approximately when there was no written word of God that mankind possessed. And that first came through Moses, it seems, as he wrote from Genesis onwards there to uh, Deuteronomy, those first five books in our Bibles, uh, written by Moses. And then there were many others afterwards who wrote the rest of the Bible, all the way down to the Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, probably after everything else in the word had been written, or at least close to that point. So we see the written revelation finally, but uh, for 2,500 years, there was no such thing as the written revelation of God in a language that humans could understand. But that does not mean that God had not given his word in other ways. And we looked at that last time, and I'm going to do it again today, only today we're going to look at some details once we get past the introduction. Now, the introduction is longer than I'd like it to be, so we we have to leave a lot for next time, Lord willing, and maybe even another study after that. We'll see how that goes. Because I do want to get to the details. The details are exceedingly important. But first of all, uh, I want us to consider the foundation that we stand upon as we open God's word regarding this subject. Because there's a lot of scriptural evidence for this heavenly revelation uh, that God gave. And we must never forget these verses. And so I'm going to have us read them here now as we uh, set the stage for what will come later, getting to the details, really, of what that heavenly revelation is all about. But first, before we do that, we've been spending so much time here on this subject of what was revealed from the beginning and what, of course, also the word, written word of God uh, says, specifically the Old Testament and also down in the book of Revelation. We spent so much time on that that uh, we have sort of ignored uh, pretty much entirely the mystery revelation that Paul writes about and that he gives uniquely to the church, which is his body. And what we've seen is that much was revealed from the beginning. And we'll look at that again now. I want us to see those verses that say exactly that. But something was not revealed from the beginning. Paul specifically writes about that. He says what was not revealed from the beginning, in great contrast to what was revealed by prophets and uh, teachers and so forth from the beginning, as well as in the heavenly record. So I'd like Jerry to read these verses in Romans 16, just so you don't forget that we have precious promises today that were unknown in, uh, in, in history, whether ancient or modern, totally unknown 
except as revealed to and through the Apostle Paul. And that's written in the last verses in Romans 16. So, Jerry, would you please read the ending of this great letter, uh, Romans 16, verses 24 through 27. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. So Paul makes it very clear here also in Ephesians and Colossians that, uh, and other places that uh, he's writing uh, concerning uh, something that was kept secret. That's why he calls it a mystery. It's kept secret until revealed to him by the ascended, by the risen ascended Christ directly to Paul for the body of Christ. And there we find the promises that God has made to us, and they are inherently heavenly. Whereas what was revealed from the beginning was inherently of a different sort. It was all ultimately about Israel and the plan that God had for Israel, which was an earthly plan. That doesn't mean there was not a spiritual content to it. There certainly was. But much of that has still been reserved and not revealed because it's waiting for a day when Christ himself rules here on this earth in ways that he has not revealed before as king okay, over Israel and over the world. And, and so... Many of the promises given from the beginning had to do with Israel and the nations and their relationship and how Israel would be raised up at the top of the nations and all the nations would submit to Israel as ruled from Jerusalem by their Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, after he has come to this earth from the heavens to establish his kingdom and uh, to fulfill many of the promises that had been made to those people. So one message was kept secret since the foundation of the world. The other was revealed. So let's just keep that in mind. Uh, There is a distinction. They're not the same. But there are some things that carry over from one to the other, and surely our great blessings could never have been accomplished, of course, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who is Israel's Messiah. And in fact, he is, as Paul writes, the father of faith for all that believe. Why? Because he believed before there was any written revelation given, right? Before that, he believed. Before the law, even, he believed. And it was entirely on the basis of grace that 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 was accomplished. He was given a message, and we'll quickly look at that again this morning, because there's so much there never to be forgotten. 
So what is our outline today? The outline today is wise men still seek him. The gospel in the stars. Wise men still seek him. The gospel in the stars. There are two parts. The rest of it we leave for next time. So first of all, God's witness is declared even from the beginning. Okay. God's witness is declared even from the beginning. And secondly, what has been revealed from heaven from the beginning? And the answer, the witness of God in the stars with all of its splendor and truth. Okay. Praise God. So, first of all, God's witness is declared even from the beginning. And it's a message of splendor and truth. If only we could know it as it was originally revealed. But as I've said before, Satan has done his best to destroy that message. This was a message given by God concerning his redemptive plan. It was given from the beginning. In other words, it was written in the creation itself, but delivered to man um, after the fall. Okay, so it has to do with redemption. Before the fall, there was no need for it. After the fall, there was a need because all now were under the curse of sin and death. And so there was no hope in this world apart from the blessing of Almighty God. And that's what the message in the heavenlies is all about. It's the redemptive plan of God given out, first of all, for all, because there were no Jews at the beginning. There were only Gentiles, you would have to say. God hadn't yet called out his chosen people that that remained for nearly 2,500 years later after Adam ate of that fruit in the Garden of Eden and cast everything into a curse uh, that God had provided, since all were now separated from him by sin. Now, what I first want to do, and remember, I, I want to remind you of what must never be forgotten. So let's quickly look at this, okay? And how quickly can we do it is the challenge before us. Okay, that there was this revelation given from the beginning. Now, from the beginning isn't from when Moses started writing down in Hebrew what's found currently in our books of Genesis through Deuteronomy. That's not the beginning. No, that's not from the beginning of the world. The beginning of the world was way back at the garden, and then as Adam and Eve were cast out, what happened thereafter, okay, that was at the beginning. And so how do we know for sure that God had provided a revelation of himself and his redemptive plan, his power and glory, and how ultimately even sin would be uh, put down and its arch originator, Satan himself, right? How do we know for sure that there was a revelation given? Well, it tells us, i like Sarah to read what's clearly revealed in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 67 through 70. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. 
hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, and as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Thank you, Sarah. So you see what verse 70 says. Okay. As he spake. So it's a message of, of redemption, you see. Zacharias prophesied. And he said those words that are recorded there in verses 68 and 69. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Then 70, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. You see those words, since the world began. Those are the key words, okay? And then we also looked last time, and I'd like um, uh, Lydia to read these words for us from the book of Acts, chapter 3. These are words that, that Peter spoke, of course. Uh, there in at that time, just after uh, Pentecost, maybe a year later or so. Acts chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Lydia, please read those words for us. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Okay, those are the key words. Since the world began, God, by his chosen servants, which he calls prophets here, spoke forth words of redemption through through whom? The seed of the woman. Okay. And there are other scriptures as well we could look at, but we won't do that today. The key words are from the foundation of the world and uh, the prophets that God had given. Well, if you look at the other scriptures, you'll see that Abel was in fact identified as the first prophet, and he was murdered like many others had been, okay? So, it was Abel, and he was in fact killed by his brother, apparently for the very reason that he was proclaiming the redemptive plan of God, and it involved the shedding of the blood of innocents, in that case, innocent lambs, okay? And uh, you remember Cain did not accept that revelation, offered an offering that was not acceptable because it wasn't uh, accompanied by the shedding of blood, okay? And so he murdered his brother. And so this this message was revealed uh, from the beginning, probably really from Adam to Abel, but Scripture doesn't tell us that specifically. Okay, now, Paul writes about this in this great dispensational letter to the Romans, right, in chapter 10. Now, these are verses I don't want us ever to forget. No one of us in this group should ever forget any of these verses. That's why we're spending time on them. Lewis, please remind us now of what Paul wrote in Romans 10, verses 16 through 18. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I said, have they not heard? Yes, verily. 
their sound went into all the earth and their words into the ends of the world. Thank you, Lewis. Okay, so there was a revelation given. What Paul does here is to refer back to Psalm 19. We'll get to that in a moment, because Psalm 19, the verse six verses are the key verses, really, for our entire study today, if you just think of what's revealed there clearly and carefully. But also in Romans 1, at the beginning of this great letter, Paul writes about this in a very special way. And I'd like Brenda to read from there, Romans 1, verses 17 through 20. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shewed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Thank you, Brenda. Now, as I've said before, and I'll say it again now, there's a lot more here that you may never have stopped to think of until you very, what, calmly and take some time to do it to really, really consider what's written here. He does not say here, it is an astounding creation to look at. And when astronomers look at it with telescopes or scientists with microscopes, they see this incredible design. And that therefore, we should know something about the righteousness of God. That's not what these scriptures are saying, although that may be what you have believed. It is what I believed also for a very long time, but no longer. Okay, what Paul is saying is that There is revealed, and that's why eventually he says from faith to faith there in verse 17, but he says there is revealed where? From heaven, right? The righteousness of God is revealed from heaven, okay? And the wrath of God as well against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold down the truth in unrighteousness. And how can that be if all you see is uh, heavenly bodies out there, stars and planets and so forth, and nothing more? Well, the fact was that God had revealed, as we just saw from the beginning, a redemptive plan starting out with the provision of a promise regarding the son that was to be born, right? And uh, the prophecy that was given regarding that uh, concerning the seed of the woman and then ending with the total victory of that seed over all of his enemies, including the arch enemy himself, uh, the serpent. Okay, and so this is revealed. Now, it's it's the truth is encapsulated in Genesis 3, 15 and 16. Right. But. Paul here is referring to a revelation of that, not in Genesis, but a revelation in such form that, as he says here, no one is with excuse. Because he says, 
verses 19 and 20, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them for the invisible things of him. <laughs> okay, well, well, you can see visible things out there every night, right? But the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and God head, so that they are without excuse. So you can learn, he says here, still when he writes this in the first century, something about the redemptive plan of God there in the heavenlies. Hmm. Very interesting, wouldn't you say, to see it that way? Okay, so if such is the case, and even truth is involved, you see verse 18 uses the word truth. Truth can only be communicated through words. Everyone knows this, right? And so this takes us now directly to Psalm 19. And uh, But before we read Psalm 19, 1 to 6, I want us to look at two other verses. Psalm, because the issue is the words, right? What words are revealed in the heavenlies? Well, this has to do with the names that were given to the stars. Okay, God gave them the names that he said they, they had originally. Psalm 147 verse 4 says, He tells the number of the stars. He calls them all by their names. Okay, that's pretty clear. God gave the names of the stars. It also talks here about numbers. I'm going to say something about that in a moment. Then I'd like this verse to be read. Linda, would you please read this? Because there's even more detail here in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them by names by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, there's more there than uh, your uh, eyes and minds may have ever considered. Really, every time I study this, I see even more <laughs> and see how it all fits together so perfectly, right? Notice what he says. He says, look on high. In other words, look, look to the sky. Behold, who hath created these things? Well, that's not revealed by looking at stars, right? But it is if you know the revelation that God gave and then passed down through his human instruments concerning the actual names of the stars that God gave and their meanings and how the whole redemptive plan of God from the seed of the woman onwards to total victory over sin and Satan is all revealed there, okay? And that's what this is saying. In fact, he says, he brings out their host by number. He calls them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power. Not one faileth, not one what? Not one of the prophetic truths contained in this revelation. Okay. Now let's see about Psalm 19, because it says so much more than you might have realized, and I and certainly more than I realized for a long, long time. 
Gail, please read Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Okay, thank you, Gail. Okay, now, if we had eyes and heart to receive it, we would know much more about what's being said here than perhaps we do. But notice that he says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. But then he immediately starts talking about language, words, language, speech, sounds, and how there is no place in the world where these are not available to mankind, right? So that's that's the statement that God has from the beginning revealed his message through this specific and unusual kind of revelation. Now, in uh, Bullinger's Witness of the Stars books, he actually gives the details of all this and why one should uh, believe uh, and how one should see how the message was all revealed there at one time perfectly. And then over time, sinful men, of course, perverted the message into idolatry. But he's, he goes into it and shows what we need to know. And that has to do with the names that were given. Okay. There are 12 signs. Each sign has four sections, and each section has three constellations in it. And each constellation has a number of stars. Altogether, there are hundreds of stars, but the names of more than 100 are still known today because they are recorded in history, either in Hebrew or in Arabic. They're still recorded in history, these names. I would like now for us to, to read, and I'd like Tom to read it, because this is a pivotal pair of verses indeed, and I'm going to say more about what makes them so pivotal right now after Tom reads them. But Tom, please read Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and counted, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Now, if you use a Strong's Concordance, you can easily find out what the word translated here, tell, means. <laughs> this is so 
profoundly important. When he said, look toward heaven and tell the stars, what does that mean? Tell the stars? Have you ever stopped your thinking there on that word? Why does it say tell, right? And then why does he say number just after that? And then why does he add at that point, so shall thy seed be? Now, we know from much other scripture that the seed referred to here ultimately is the seed of the woman, okay? This is not uh, Isaac only. Isaac will be his seed, right? That that's uh, Abraham's actually much focused on that issue, right? Because he and, and Sarah have not had a son, even though they've been married for many, many years. Okay, so uh, the prophecy is concerning ultimately uh, Israel's Messiah as time passes and the nation is brought forth and finally through that nation and finally through David and his offspring down through generation upon generation our Lord Jesus is brought into this world okay but the Strong's Concordance actually will tell you if you look it up that there's a word here and the Hebrew word is translated in two ways in the English one way is the word tell and the other, the verb tell, and the other is number. <laughs> the verb number. Okay. And in this verse, it's the same Hebrew word in both places. So when he says, tell the stars, and then he says, if you're able to number them, it's the same Hebrew word. I always thought, of course, before I realized this, that uh, he was talking about counting how many there were, and there was such an astronomical number, he couldn't count them all, and that that's what it meant then when he said, so shall thy seed be. But that's not what it means. I do not believe that any longer, okay? What the Lord God is saying to Abraham is, look towards the heavens, you see the escape the expanse, rather, uh, of the, uh, the the 12 signs laid out there, just as your father taught you, right? And his father and so forth before him. And tell the stars, in other words, set them forth. And number is not number in the sense of one, two, three, four, but in the sense of first, second, third, fourth. It's can you go, Abraham, now and tell me, Explain to me what's revealed there. This is the whole plan revealed there. It starts out with what? The seed of the woman, and it ends with what? Total victory, right? <laughs> this is the plan of redemption, and it's all focused on the seed, okay? Abram, do you see this? Are you able now? Do you remember now what you've been taught? And what it says is, at that point, he believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. Now, what was revealed there? Well, according to Psalm 19.1, it was the glory of God revealed, okay? Who is the glory of God, do you know? What does Paul say in 2 Corinthians 4.6? He says, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God 
in the face of Jesus Christ. Who is the greatest manifestation of the glory of God? What is? It's not the creation of the universe. It is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, okay? The seed of the woman. So that's really what the whole message is about, whether it's the message in the heavens or the message given through prophets on this earth, right? And written down in scripture. Either way, it's all about Jesus Christ. He is the glory of God revealed, okay? And what does the first few verses in the book of John say, right? Exactly that, okay? Then if you look at the end of the book, Revelation 21, verse 23, and here we're looking down the line, okay? And we're down to the end. We're down to the new heavens and the new earth, right? The kingdom 1,000-year millennium has ended, and the Lord God has uh, brought judgment forth, and uh, Satan is put away with all of his emissaries and all of his worshipers once and for all. And now there's a new city. He says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. The Lamb is the light thereof. So, for 2,500 years before Moses, approximately, there was a witness of God in the heavenlies. I think you should be convinced of that absolutely now, as I certainly am, right? It was corrupted by sinful men, with Satan as their motivator. And so, now you have astrological uh, stuff abounding, right? It has to do with the signs of the zodiac, right? The zodiac just means step by step, and there were 12 steps revealed there and 12 signs, okay? Men corrupted that message, but much of the evidence is still there if you seek it out, and it's in the stars and their uh, their meanings. So what has been revealed from heaven from the beginning, it's a story of redemption with the signs and the constellations included in them and the stars themselves that convey the story. And they convey the story through the meanings of the names of the stars. And I'm just going to talk for a moment about one of them. And next time we'll look at more. But just to give you a picture of how detailed the revelation was, through the stars. The brightest star in the first sign, okay, Virgo is the first sign. The last is Leo, okay? Virgo speaks of a virgin. The brightest star in it is Al-Zamak, and it only has a, a, or Hebrew, Zimak. It means the branch, okay, the branch. And you know there are four prophecies in the Old Testament about the branch. And the branch is, of course, the seed of the woman finally coming forth uh, to bless uh, the people, okay, and to bring deliverance, to bring salvation. And so the virgin is the first sign, and the brightest star is Al-Zamak, meaning the branch. All the other stars in 
the three constellations that make up this, all the other stars have similar meanings. They're all about either the branch or the virgin. It's interesting that uh, Virgo is a Latin word, okay, means the virgin, but Virga uh, is another word that means the branch or, in fact, the uh, the uh, sheath of corn, which was uh, the other side of the picture, okay? And the other thing pictured there in that heavenly symbol. And so uh, we see revealed there in that first constellation, the first constellation in Virgo is called Coma, which means the desired one. You remember uh, the prophecies were that uh, the Lord would come and shake all nations and the desire of all nations would come. You think today all the nations are corrupt and ruled by Satan. Well, they are, but it's not always going to be like that. Someday there will be believers in every nation, not Jews, but Gentiles, who cleave to know even more of the Lord, and they will find the fulfillment of their desire in Israel's Messiah. Okay, that's what's been prophesied. Oh, more. There's so much more. Also, in Numbers 24:17, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. By the way, that's the star of Bethlehem. And I'm going to start there next time to give you the details on that. But let me just say this about the stars in the constellation Como. Okay. There are a great number of them. Virgo itself, which has three constellations in it, has 110 stars in it. Most of them still have names that we know today because they've been passed down through human history. Most of the stars in Virgo still have meaningful names. The brightest star, as I said to you before, is called Al-Zimak, which means the branch. That star is in the ear of corn, which the virgin holds in her left hand. Now that star has a modern Latin name, which has almost taken the place of the earlier one, and that Latin name is Spica, which means an ear of corn. But the original name was Al-Zimak. We still have that recorded in ancient documents. What does that mean? The one who is coming. He will be the branch and he will bring the blessing uh, signified by the corn. Now, there are other stars there. I'm just going to quickly give you some of their names and their meanings and then we'll end today. Another leading star in that constellation is Zaviyava, which means the gloriously beautiful. Another is Al-Miradin, which means the one who shall come down. 
as in Psalm 72, 8, or, or she'll have dominion. Okay, another star there in the constellation is called Subila, the one who carries the blessing. Another is called Al-Azel, which simply is another cognate for the branch. Another is Subalan, which means a spike of corn. And so it goes on and on and on and on. Now, the ancient name of this constellation is Coma, which means the desired one or the longed for one. And so this constellation is very remarkable. Some constellations only contain one or two stars that are very, very bright. And then others of less brightness. This one has... 43 stars altogether, 10 being of the fourth magnitude and the remainder of the fifth and sixth. So it's a very special constellation indeed. And in all probability, it was in that constellation where the star of Bethlehem appeared. And I'll talk about that next week, Lord willing. You remember Balaam's prophecy, there shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So we'll stop there. But the message in the heavenlies was very, very detailed and structured by God. And not only were the uh, signs placed there by the structure and orientation of the stars, but also the meaning of the revelation given through the names of those stars itself. And that was all passed down from one selected vehicle to another, beginning at least with Abel, if not Adam himself. And then to Seth and so forth, Enoch, finally Noah. And uh, eventually we get to a man named Abram, who was said... Abram, look at the heavenlies. Do you see the message revealed there? Can you go through the list, one to the next, to the next, to the next, and tell the meaning of this revelation? So shall your seed be, Abram. And Abram believed, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Interestingly, the next constellation in Virgo, there are three constellations in Virgo. The next one is Centaurus, the centaur. And in this constellation, the stars reveal that the coming one, the branch, the seed of the woman, will be both God and man in one person, the centaur. So next time, Lord willing, we'll continue on and we'll see how the message in the stars develops and how it ends with complete and total victory by the seed of the woman, putting down every enemy once and for all. And so the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows forth 
his handiwork. Well, I hope we've been convinced. I spent most of the time just looking at the scriptures today that make it so clear that this revelation was given from the beginning. And so where else was it? It's not just through tradition, but in the heavenly panoply itself, you see, as Abraham was told, and as Psalm 19 and these other references make so very, very clear. Well, may we be lights in the darkness today regarding God's abundant grace, because that's the message everyone needs to hear today. Christ has come. He has paid the penalty. And now through faith in him, we are delivered from the curse of sin and death ultimately and will forever be with the Lord. And maybe in the new year, maybe even before that, maybe even today, we'll be caught up into heaven's glory. Well, enjoy the Lord all. I think you see even more now about the meaning of (laughs) the traditional Christmas, but there's so much more to know, is there not? Enjoy the Lord all. Any questions before we, uh, or comments before we close today? Hi, John. This is Lewis. And thank you for the beautiful message. It's just very touching. And this just reminds me that why uh, after the flood, uh, just a generation or two after they start building a tower in Babel, because it's not that they want to reach the sky. It's because they want to study the stars. Yeah, this message was very clear deliver back then you know the star has a lot to do with you know men's well-being because after the flood people was probably really freaking out they didn't want that to happen they want to understand the uh the god's plan so they studied that (laughs) right and in fact uh, they you know what is what uh the mythology said was that God was going to bring judgment on everybody, so you better shape up or he was going to judge you. And so it was all about how to know how God would bring judgment and uh, instead of the hope that was revealed from the beginning, which was through faith, taking God at his word. <laughs> indeed. Thank you, Lewis. Yes, indeed. Well, any other comments? We'll close. If not, any other comments? Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you for gathering us again today. And may we never forget these critical scriptures that have been laid out here for all to know and to take to heart that there has been a message given from the beginning. And now we have the mystery revelation, too, that tells us the rest of the story. (laughs) Oh, man, concerning our eternal blessing, even apart from all of these other prophecies, but always through the one and only uh, mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So, Father God, thank you for our precious Savior. May we be lights in the darkness to share his glory uh, always. And we would thank you in Christ's name and, and amen. Well, enjoy the Lord all.